Jacob had to be gone this week, and so Marianne, we welcome you to the piano. She hasn't played the piano much, and so she may be a little rusty, but thank you, Marianne, for filling in. And the choir, because Jacob was not here, uh, we decided to give the choir the day off. So uh, we will welcome them back next week. Let's shake hands and say God's peace be with you this morning as we gather for worship. Has somebody been assigned for reading the scriptures this morning? Oh, good. After we do confessions on page 10. Let us turn our hearts to God as we confess our sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. God of all mercy and consolation, come to the aid of your people, turning us from our sin to live for you alone. Give us a power of your Holy Spirit that attentive to your word, we may confess our sins, receive your forgiveness, and grow into the fullness of your Son, 
Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another as we spend a few moments in reflecting first, and then we will share together. Gracious God, have mercy on us. In your compassion, forgive us our sins, known and unknown, things done and left undone. Uphold us by your Spirit, so that we may live and serve you in newness of life, to the honor and glory of your holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy upon you and upon me. Forgive us all our sins through our Lord Jesus Christ. May we be strengthened in all goodness and by the presence and power of your Holy Spirit, keep us unto eternal life. Amen. You may be seated. The first reading today is from Exodus chapter 24, verses 12 to 18. The Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and wait there, and I will give you the tables of stone with the law and the commandment, which I have written for their instruction. So Moses rose with his servant Joshua, and Moses went up into the mountain of God. And he said to the elders, tarry here for us until we come to you again. And behold, Aaron and her are with you. Whoever has a cause, let him go to them. Then Moses went up on the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the, of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. And Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain, and Moses was on the mountain forty days and forty nights. The word of the Lord. The epistle reading comes from Second Peter chapter one, verses sixteen to twenty-one. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majesty, majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We heard this voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word made more sure. You will do well to pay attention to this as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. First of all, you must understand this, that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation, because no prophecy ever came by the impulse of man, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. The word of the Lord.
Let's pray together the prayer of the day. O God, in the transfiguration of your Son, you confirm the mysteries of the faith by the witness of Moses and Elijah, and in the voice from the pulpit cloud, declaring you foreshadowed our adoption as your children. Make us heirs with Christ of your glory, and bring us to the fullness through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Kira, Claire, and are there other children? Oh, good. Good. Come sit down. This morning's story in the Bible that I'm going to preach on is a really, really difficult story. It's about one time when Jesus took three of his friends up high on a mountain and they didn't know what was going to happen when they got up there. But when they got there, I better use this, when they got there, they saw uh, not only Jesus, but two other men. And those men had died long time ago. They came from heaven down to be with Jesus and to be with these three fishermen. So I'm going to preach on that for all the big people. And it's really a hard story to, hard story to preach on. But the thing that I want you kids to remember again today is one thing only, and that's that who loves you besides your mom and your dad and your grandmas and your grandpas and your friends? Who? Jesus. Who? Jesus. Yeah, Jesus loves you so much. Just like Jesus loved those three men that he took high up on the mountain to show him two people who had come from heaven to be with them. Jesus loves us. This we know for the Bible tells us so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me and my mommy and daddy, and all the people here. We love you, Lord Jesus. Amen. The Gospel is recorded in Matthew, the 17th chapter. Let's stand. 
And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain apart. And he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his garments became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them, who? Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, what? Lord, it is well that we are here. If you wish, I will make three booths here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, lo, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. What? Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, what did they do? They fell on their faces and were filled with awe. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, What? Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, what did Jesus do? Commanded them to tell no one until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. The Gospel of our Lord. Singing, Lord, listen to us, your children praying. Listen to your children praying. Lord, send your spirit in this place. Lord, listen to your children praying. Send us power, send us power, send us grace without the piano. Lord, listen to your children praying. Lord, send your spirit in this place. Lord, listen to your children praying. Send us love, send us power, send us And so we ask you, Heavenly Father, to be with us this hour. Speak to us through your word. Raise our spirits through our song. Hear our prayers. Listen to us. And may the words of my mouth and may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Taking snatches out of the gospel text, this is my son, the beloved, 
with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they were overcome with fear. But Jesus touched them and said, Do not be afraid. But Jesus touched them and said, Do not be afraid. These are thy holy words, Heavenly Father. Sanctify us in thy truth, for thy word is eternal truth. Amen. Let me begin by saying, I hope this is the last time I have to preach on this text. <laughs> the transfiguration of Jesus. Saying that, I hope I haven't turned you off. All I'm saying is that it's a difficult text. And to be honest, I have never really liked preaching on it. But it comes up every year. Every year it comes just like Christmas, just like Easter. And in the past, I have oftentimes preached around it, choosing rather to preach on the epistle for the day. But not today. I'm going to hit it head on for one last time and see what happens. It's really difficult, this story, to imagine that this story about Jesus really happened as it is recorded. That Moses and Elijah were on the mountaintop with Jesus, and that Jesus' face shone like the sun, and something like you'd expect to happen in Las Vegas, his garments became sparkling white. Lay this episode of Jesus' life on a non-believer and see what kind of response you get. It's not something I'd do, nor you. But it happened. It happened. This story about Jesus really happened. Its historicity, its authenticness, simply cannot be edited or ignored in the Bible. Perhaps questioned, but not disputed. For it is not only recorded by Matthew, but also by Mark and Luke. John doesn't deal with it. It's not in the Gospel of John. So, let's work on this text. Let's try to come to some kind of an understanding of it, probing, asking the question, why? Why? Why, in the midst of the Jesus narrative, did this supernatural Jesus story occur? 
In reading about this unusual story, I ran across a commentary about it, and I quote, The transfiguration of Jesus is one of the five major milestones in his life. The others being, what would you guess? The others being, nope, not his birth, but close to it, his baptism, and then his crucifixion, and then his resurrection, and then his ascension. Yeah, you're good. In calling Jesus' transfiguration a milestone, I was prompted to read on, the gist of which I'll paraphrase. In Christian teachings, the transfiguration is the pivotal moment when the temporal and the eternal meet, when the earthly and the heavenly meet, when Jesus connects the two, building a bridge between here and there, the here and the hereafter, the now and the yet to come, building a bridge, connecting. This is the picture that this text paints. Jesus in human flesh, speaking with Moses and Elijah in what kind of flesh? Resurrected heavenly flesh. And a voice coming from a cloud that's hovering, saying, what? This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. The picture this text paints is that of a bridge builder. Jesus, the bridge builder. Jesus, the way and the truth and the life from here to here. The bridge between earth and heaven. The bridge between the now and the yet to come. A question. A question. Did God need this event to happen? Did Jesus need this event to happen? The connecting of Jesus with Moses and Elijah in order to solidify Jesus' mind as to his mission on earth. For Jesus to more fully understand why his Father had sent him from here to here. To be the what? Bridge builder. The way, the truth, and the life. Or, or, and this is where I'm coming from, 
perhaps a radical interpretation. I like to think crazy about some of these stories. It's mine, my interpretation. I didn't read it in a book. I never heard it before. Did Peter, James, and John need this event to happen? There must have been a reason. There must have been a reason why Jesus took them up the mountain. Did Jesus have a plan? What was his motivation? So I'm going to ask you to do something this morning. You don't have to literally do it, take off your shoes. But I'm going to ask you to put on Peter, James, and John's, what? Sandals. Okay? Got them on? Slip your feet into the fisherman's sandals. I'm asking you to stand on the mountain, observing all that goes on in this story, taking it all in, the supernatural, looking at Jesus' face, shining like the sun. His clothes turning to be sparkling white. When suddenly, what happens? Out of a cloud, a voice comes. You're there. You are experiencing this. The voice saying, this is what? My beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. You are hearing that voice. Listen to him, the voice says. You've heard thunder come from a cloud, but until now, you've never heard anything like this, and you're scared. You're scared. Nearly frightened to death at what's happening. You're there, and, and, and what would you do? Being overcome with fear. You, just like Peter and James and John did what? You fell to the ground, feeling grains of dirt in your sandals as you fell. What's going on in your head? You're up there. What's going on in your heart? Being in the fisherman's sandals. Would you have said what Peter said? Lord, it is Good that we're here? Is that what you'd have said? Or maybe, maybe something else. Like, Lord, excuse me, but these sandals are heading down the mountain. I don't understand what's going on, but I'm getting out of here. It's more than I can take. There's something powerful going on. Something powerful is happening that keeps you from running away, which in my opinion, God, Jesus, Moses, and Elijah, all of them were putting on a show. We're putting on a show, a drama, a real live drama but not for themselves, 
They didn't need it. God didn't need it. Jesus didn't need it. Moses and Elijah didn't need it. But someone present did. Peter, James, John, and you, and me, driving home the reality of the existence of God the Creator, hearing His voice. You were there. You heard God speak. Driving home the reality that Jesus is God's only begotten Son. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Driving home the reality of the certainty of heaven, that which is yet to come with the appearance of whom? Elijah and Moses. Wow, a real live drama for the audience of whom? Peter, James, and John that scared the jeebies out of them and also out of you and me being in their sandals, but too scared to run down the mountain, but sticking around to see what else was yet to happen. I rather suspect, I rather suspect that the next part of this Jesus story is a bit confusing. When Jesus tells them what? Not to tell anyone about it. Until when? After his resurrection. Telling them not to immediately tell anyone about this, but rather to wait, makes sense. Made sense for Jesus, at least, but probably not for Peter, James, and John, or you and me. How could we have gone through something like this, gone down the mountain and not said a word about it? Jesus knew that no one would ever believe them if they went and started blabbing it around town. Jesus knew that no one would believe him until after, until after what he knew was going to happen to him, which they didn't yet know. And then it might be believable. When? After his resurrection, after his crucifixion, after his ascension. Then this story, then this story, the transfiguration, transfiguration story, will become believable just like it is for you and me as we sit here. Believable. It happened. And why did the transfiguration of Jesus happen? I ask, and what is the importance of it? It happened for one reason. In my opinion, not because God needed it, I'm repeating myself now, not because God needed it. He knew he could do this. He could pull it off. He could transfigure Jesus. 
He could make his face shine like the sun and his clothes turn sparkling white. He did it. Not because Jesus needed it. Jesus already knew. He was and is the Son of God. He needed no further information, no further affirmation, no further confirmation of who he was and is God's beloved Son. He already knew that. God did it. Not because Moses and Elijah needed it. They'd already received their eternal reward. They were already in heaven. They'd already met God, no doubt, face to face. They didn't need it. But God transfigured Jesus because Peter needed it. Because James needed it. Because John needed it. It was a part of their preparation. It was a part of their training. It was a part of their schooling, their graduate class. It was a day on a mountaintop they'd never forget, propelling them to be messengers, preparing them to be missionaries, equipping them to become evangelists, to be prophets, carrying out Jesus' instructions when he was no longer around, which were, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe what? All things that I have commanded you. And lo, Jesus says to them, I will be with you until the close of the age. Earlier, I asked you to put on the sandals of the fishermen. I asked you to go up the mountain. I asked you to see Jesus and Elijah and Moses. I asked you to listen to a voice coming out of a cloud. How'd their sandals fit? How'd their sandals feel? I rather suspect that before being on the mountaintop that the three fishermen might have had some doubts about this miracle worker who had taken them away from the water, their boats, their nets, and their fish. And that's maybe why. And that's maybe why Jesus took them on a hike high up on a mountain. And maybe that's also why it's been good for you and me to have worn those sandals 
for a few moments today and also have made also made the trip up that mountain. The transfiguration of Jesus, no small potatoes, as I once thought. I think I learned a lot this week working on this. God did for those three what we'd wish sometimes he'd do for us, literally. But we've been there today. What he did for them, for those three fishermen, he was doing it for you and me. That's all I want you to remember from this sermon. That what he did for them, he was doing for you and me. When we have our doubts, and we have them, when we have our doubts about the miracle worker, the bridge builder, Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, we have them. When we have our doubts, it is this story. It is this story that erects the bridge where the temporal meets the eternal, where the earthly meets the heavenly. It is this story that erects the bridge authenticated by Peter, James, and John, and you and me, who have been up the mountain and who have come down from the mountain, convinced of the validity of Jesus Christ as God's only begotten Son. They'd seen him turn water into wine. They'd seen him walk on water. They'd seen him raise Lazarus from the dead. They'd seen him feed 5,000 with two loaves and five small fish. And now this. And now this. The transfiguration. Being fishermen, they were hooked. It was their ordination into the Christian ministry taking place when Jesus was transfigured before their very eyes in the presence of Moses and Elijah. They were hooked. And because of them, so are we.
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this story that's so hard to believe, yet we believe it. Yet we believe it. Thank you for this story. Amen. Let's stand and sing Blessed Assurance. Good one to follow the sermon.
Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us continue our worship by receiving our morning offering. You may be seated. Together we sing the offertory, We Give Thee But Thine Own. Heavenly Father, on this Transfiguration Sunday, we have gathered on the mountaintop with Peter and James and John, as they were inspired by the presence of Jesus, Moses, and Elijah, so inspire us to be tellers of what we have seen and heard. Lord, in your mercy. We thank you for the privilege of gathering for worship as your children. Bind us together in your love. Lord, in your mercy. We continue to ask your presence during our interim period. Guide and direct this special time as we await the calling of our new pastor. Lord, in your mercy. We continue to remember in prayer all who struggle in their daily lives, those among us who daily deal with medical problems, those who struggle for food and shelter, those who suffer mental illness. Help us to be brothers and sisters to all in need. Lord, in your mercy, continue to hear both our shared prayers and our silent ones.
Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. As the wine and the bread is brought forward as an offering, we remember the story that Jesus had on the night in which he was betrayed, as now we are soon to enter the season of Lent, that after supper he took the cup and he took a loaf of bread. He blessed and broke the bread and blessed the cup and said to to his special friends like Peter, James, and John, and the other disciples that this is my body and that this is my blood given and shed for you for the forgiveness of all your sins. Take and eat and take and drink because I am the bridge builder because I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I invite you to receive my presence in this bread and in this wine, now my body and blood. Come and receive the presence of our Lord. you to sing during communion.
Announcements. Debbie. Good morning. On behalf of Parish Ed, we'd like to invite you all as a reminder to Shrove Tuesday. Pastor and Mary Ann will be cooking for us, and we'll all at Parish Ed will be helping. So please come. It's at 530. Um, we'll be serving pancakes and ham. So we're looking forward. I know Pastor and Mary Ann are looking forward to seeing you all there as well. Uh, and that, that'll start before the Advent services on, starting on Wednesday night. Also, Pastor and I will be co-hosting today at 10 o'clock um, for Parish Ed a um, discussion about one of our things, which is reaching out. So um, if you have time, we'd encourage you to stay today for that. Thank you so much. Any other announcements? Man, I tell you, Marianne, I will be upset if you don't show up on Wednesday night. <laughs> yeah, we'll take it. You don't like us, and uh, we'll take it personally. We know that not all of you maybe will be able to come because we have busy schedules, but we certainly hope that we can begin this season of Lent with a wonderful pancake dinner is sort of the time to pig out before the season of Lent. Talking to someone about what they're going to give up for Lent, and she told me she was going to give up church. <laughs> <laughs> well, that didn't go over too big. Well, let's stand, let's stand sing closing hymn. Huh? And invite you to stay for our... Adult education in between. Velsala, welcome from Florida. Yeah. Yeah. My life was on.
singing. I noticed that Sharon gave this couple a welcoming thing this morning. I'm an interim pastor here, so I don't recognize everybody being new. So welcome to Shepherd of the Valley this morning. May you leave this place how today? <laughs> Go in how? Go in peace, peace and come down from the mountain and share the good news. Go in peace, serve your Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you. 